Well, happy Sunday morning to everybody. Uh, especially want to take time and say happy Mother's Day to all the moms there. I pray that today, as well as other days, uh, are a blessing for you and to you. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't called your mom and you have that opportunity, uh, hey, don't let today slip uh, by. Just reach out to her. Just let her know that you love her, that you're thinking about her. And as we begin our time of study, uh, I want to encourage you uh, to go to Matthew chapter 19 uh, with me. Uh, again, I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. We appreciate you. We want to celebrate you. We should. Uh, but I'm going to confess to you that Mother's Day and Father's Day, for that fact, uh, are two of the hardest Sundays, at least for me, uh, with regards to preaching. I don't know. Maybe other pastors don't have the same uh, pull and tug that, that I feel. But it, it's not because the Bible doesn't have anything to say about moms and dads. But really, it's because for many, those are days that are really hard. You know, for some, this is their first day without their moms with them. For some, they have longed a desire to become a mom, but for whatever reason, the Lord hasn't allowed that to happen yet. Uh, still for others, they could never be a mom. There are also people that, you know, when they think about their mom or, or even their their dad, they, they don't have happy memories. You know, they could have been abandoned, abused, uh, any other, any number of childhood traumas. So I want to try to do a very important and delicate balancing act because I want to celebrate. I want to say Happy Mother's Day uh, to the moms because you should be celebrated. But I also want to be respectful to those who may not have had the same experience that a lot of us have had. The good news, whether you had a good mom or you didn't, there's someone who loves you even more than your mom ever could. Someone uh, who you can seek to become more like. And so even if you didn't have a great childhood, you, know, you could uh, be the one that breaks that curse by being a good parent to your children. So this is going to be our aim this morning, is we want to celebrate but also lean into uh, the pain and suffering of others, while above all else seeking the Lord Jesus Christ and to glorify Him. I have to say that today is going to be a first for me. In 11 years uh, as pa pastor here at Westlake, even two years there at East End uh, in Roanoke, I've never had two texts that I'm going to break down for one message. Now, in my mind, at least, uh, we, we're going to be able to do this. So we're, we're going to see how it goes. Because I really believe that God has blended these two scriptures in such a way that it's almost like they are a continuation of one another. Our topic this morning is our identity. Who or what defines you? Who or what gives you your worth? I believe our current uh, situation with COVID-19 is striking a major blow at a lot of people's identities. Uh, 
I believe that's why stress levels are way up, worries up, depression is up, uh, and people are so anxious to get back to life as normal. But through this, could God be trying to teach us a valuable lesson about who we really should be or who we are? This morning's one big thing is this, that our identity is who we are in Christ. And so let me just kind of add on to that. I could either be a good thing or a bad thing. Hopefully it'll make sense here in a little bit. But as we begin in uh, Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 16, it says, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things I have kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go, and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you again for this day, uh, this special day, as we have uh, set aside to honor moms. Lord, I thank you for all of the godly moms out there who have done their best to love their husbands, to submit to them as submitting to the Lord, who have shown love, grace, and mercy, uh, and even discipline to their children. Father, we pray that you would bless them. But Lord, we also acknowledge that today is very tough for some, for a lot of different reasons. And Lord, I pray that in that hurt, we would look to you. That we would get our identity from anyone other than you. And so Lord, as we open up the scriptures, would you open up our hearts and our minds? Would you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth of your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the one big thing for today is this, that our identity is who we are in Christ. And again, I would say that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. You see, having to prove yourself is really what we see in Matthew 19. And we learn that it's dangerous. Yeah, we live in an ultra-competitive world, especially uh, in business and in sports. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of thing. And, you know, honestly, it can be uh, that way at church at sometimes. But let's be honest, this often sinful attitude of, I'm going to focus on me and mine, and I don't care what happens to others, you know, that's infected the church as well. In a day and time where most churches don't help each other or cooperate in uh, gospel endeavors, instead we compete. You know, I truly believe that the Bible paints a very different picture of what the church is supposed to be. A picture, I would add, that the world 
desperately needs to see right now in light of what's going on around us. They don't need to hear why one church is better than another or how one pastor is better than another. What they need to see is the unity given to us by the blood of Jesus Christ in which we put the needs of others ahead of our own and the kingdom as more valuable than our own ministry. So in this text here, the rich ruler comes to Jesus feeling like he has to prove himself. He asks the question, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Yet when we have to prove ourselves, it often gives us a wrong view of ourselves. If God is blessing us and things are going well, then we can start to believe that we deserve it because who we are, even the things that we have done. When we feel like we have to prove ourselves, we often diminish the person and the work of Christ on the cross. It's a works-based salvation. We start believing that we have to earn God's love or that we can somehow earn our salvation. But both of these sinful attitudes are just a disaster waiting to happen. So who is our identity? How can we be secure in our identity? Well, I want us to to look, and we're going to bounce back and forth between these two texts, but I want to encourage you to look at Philippians chapter 3 with me. The Apostle Paul is, is writing here, And so I'm going to start in uh, verse 1. Again, Matthew, or uh, Philippians chapter 3, and start in verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Here's some truths about our identity. Our identity is often determined based on our own insecurities. There were those in Philippi who thought they were saved because of their ancestral genealogy. Paul is saying, you know, if you think your ancestry is strong, I promise you mine is even stronger. 
Paul really for emphasis, he was saying, if anyone here deserves to be saved, it, it's me. Look at my family tree. You know, sometimes we have that same attitude uh, when we grew up in church. You know, we, we start to think, well, I mean, I'm a Christian because my parents were Christian. My grandparents were Christian and I've always been in church. So I have to be a Christian, right? Now, Paul's not saying that he was that he wasn't saved uh, by his lineage, as we're going to see, but but he's make he's making a point for us. All right, there in Matthew nineteen, uh, verse twenty, we see a very interesting question asked by uh, this young ruler. So he begins that conversation, going, "Tell me, what do I have to do to be saved?" And so Jesus gives him an answer. Now, notice the question that the man asks in the end of verse 20 there. He says, I've kept all those things for my youth up. But what do I lack? I mean, for all the good that this young man was was supposedly doing, he still didn't have peace and assurance that he was saved. He was wondering, if this is all that it takes, why don't I feel confident in my standing with God? And this is the reality for people who are trying to earn God's love or work their way to heaven. They're always going to have this nagging feeling. Have I done enough? You know, People get so focused on what they do that they never feel at peace. They never feel confident that they have been saved by God's grace. They're always wanting to do more. They do more so they will feel like God loves them or or that he's happy with them or, or even that he would allow them into heaven. Really, I think their mentality is similar to uh, John Rockefeller's and money. Uh, a reporter one time asked him, uh, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? To which he replied, just a little bit more. You know, those who are trying to prove themselves or those who are trying to get their identity based off of what they do, their answer is probably, I need to do just a a little bit more. But they're never satisfied. They eat from a buffet, but they never get full. They drink from a well, but they're always thirsty. Is that true of you? Another truth about our identity is that it is determined by who or what we live for. Go back to last week. You know, Jesus in Matthew 6 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In the previous verses uh, there in Philippians 3, Paul says, I have the right family line. I've got the right religious upbringing. I have the right zeal for the Lord. I've been living right. But none of that matters. None of that defines me. And can you imagine having that, that passion to go? Everything I've, I am and everything I've ever been, it doesn't matter because it doesn't define me. See, Paul says what defines me is God's grace and that God has saved me by that grace. Paul's saying having a relationship with Jesus is far greater and it's worth more than everything I've ever had or anything I've ever accomplished. 
I mean, think about it. Paul threw everything away to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, he had the, the religious world at his feet. And he said, you know what? It's all a lie. It's a house of cards. One day it's going to come tumbling down. Paul's family didn't define him. His job didn't define him. Jesus did. Can I ask you, do you have that same confidence today? Let let me just continue to be really upfront with you. This isn't just an unsaved person's problem. Yes, there are people uh, that are unsaved that focus on money and jobs and promotions and possessions and the like. But there are a lot of people, I'm convinced, in the church who get their identity not from what Christ has done for them, but rather what they are doing for Christ. And so this identity crisis is all around us. Share another truth about our identity. It's changed when we come to faith in Christ. You know, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. You're not the same person you used to be when you come to faith in Jesus. And I truly pray that this takes a lot of weight off of you if you're in this boat of a misplaced identity. You know, we, we've talked about how misplaced priorities lead to misaligned worship. Well, the same is true with a misplaced identity. When my identity is in anything or anyone other than who Jesus says I am, then I will not be worshiping God, but rather I will be worshiping either myself or whatever else I have made God. When my happiness and my joy come from another person or another thing, then I'm running the risk of being the most miserable person in all the world. You know, there are times in in life, as much as I don't like admitting this, that I allow people's opinions to get to me more than they should. And this is a lesson I just want to share with you, and I hope it'll help you and encourage you and maybe help you not walk down the same road that I've walked down far too many times. When people have the ability to build you up, you are also giving them the same power to tear you down. Nobody has that power, should have that power, other than the one who lived and died so that you could be alive. And that's Christ. You will matter to Jesus just as much today if you mess it all up as the days when you get it mostly right. Jesus doesn't love you because of his performance. He loves you because of the person he is. That's why First John says that God is love. You will matter just as much if you never teach another class again. 
never lead worship again or never serve in the church again. I will matter to Jesus the same today as he did yesterday if I never preach another sermon. He will be just a, I will be just as much a child of God if we do none of these things that we've been doing as we were, you know, when we were doing them. And that's because our identity and our worth to Jesus isn't what we do, but rather it's what he did for us. When I allow Jesus and his death and resurrection and the fact that he is Lord of my life, when I allow that to define me, it changes everything. In fact, when our identity comes from Christ, we have an ongoing relationship with Christ. Now, this is a relationship that requires a daily surrender to Jesus. In Luke 9.23, Jesus says, If a man desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You know, the structure of that verse uh, in the original language tells us that Jesus was saying that we are to die to ourselves daily, take up our cross daily, and to follow him daily. This isn't something that we can do part-time and think that we're okay with God. This is a lifestyle, not a optional choice. It's a relationship that requires a radical surrender. Jesus said a lot of statements that, that frankly just take us off guard, right? But one such statement is found in Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 to 39. He says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, let's understand, Jesus isn't saying you're supposed to hate your family. Rather, he's saying that we should love him so much, be so devoted to him that it looks like we hate everybody else. Because more than pleasing our father or mother, more than pleasing our husband or wife or doing things for our children, we want to glorify God. We want to live for Him and allow Him to live through us. And to love Him means to surrender all of who we are to all He is. To love Him requires us to seek Him above all others and above everything else in this world. To love Jesus means to obey Him regardless of what it might cost us because we know that in Him, we have more than this world could ever offer us. I love this quote from uh, Jim Elliott. Uh, Elliott was a missionary who was martyred for his faith in Ecuador in 1956. Uh, Elliott said, quote, He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Such a powerful quote right there. This relationship is a lifelong process of spiritual growth. You know, sometimes when we try to get our identity from Jesus, we, we feel kind of beat down because 
We try. We have a desire. But we just keep messing it up. But I want us to understand what God is actually doing in us. See, Jesus said in John 15 that if we abide in Him, that's we, we remain in Him, all right? We, we stay faithful to Him. We will produce fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. In Philippians 1.6, Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that He which has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The more we surrender to Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. And that's what He's doing in us. That is His predestined plan for us. When our identity is in Christ, we have a confidence in our eternal destination. When what I've done or what I can do no longer defines who I am, instead what Jesus did on the cross and in the resurrection defines who I am, I can lay my head down at night in full confidence and I can sing as that hymn says, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Do you have that confidence today? If May 10th was the last day you were on this earth, do you know where you would spend eternity? The good news is because He loves you, Jesus wants you to know where you're going to spend eternity. And you can know it not only today, but every day. So let me ask you again, who or what defines you? Who or what gives you your worth? Is that worth dying for? Because if it's not worth dying for, then why are you wasting the precious life God has given you to live for it? See, Jesus proved your worth. Not when you were supposedly a good person or you started doing the right things. But Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrated His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If Jesus is willing to die for you, isn't He worth us living for him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word. And Lord, I, I believe that many are in an identity crisis right now. Everything that they were living for and trusted in, uh, in many ways, is crumbling down around them. Yet our rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, is still standing strong and firm, having died for the sins of the world and offering by grace to forgive us of our sins and to save us, to give us a relationship that is based not on what we do, but rather a relationship based on what He did for us. And so, Father, I pray for those that are going to listen to this message, that if they have never surrendered to Jesus, that today would be that day that they would acknowledge that they had been living 
for something or someone else, but that today your spirit has shown them that they need to turn from that sin and in faith surrender to you and to allow you to live in them and to live through them. We thank you for your love and your grace, both of which we seldom, if ever, deserve, yet you freely give. And Lord, would we live for your glory until the day we see you face to face. May we worship you, praise you, and make you know in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say thank you again for joining us today. It's been a blessing and a privilege to spend some time with you. Again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I hope that you will uh, join us on YouTube Wednesday night at 7 as we continue to study and have a time of prayer. And as always, if there's a way that we can pray for you and encourage you, uh, please reach out to us. Uh, you can reach me at Pastor Justin at westlakebaptist.org. Until next time, we love you, we're praying for you, and may God bless you.